Matt. Happy July. Oh, happy July to you. Pride oh, is over. I know. I'm not proud anymore. Oh, God. Back to shame. Yeah. How was uh, your fourth? How was Big Sur? Big Sur was so nice. Um, Where'd you stay? What'd you do? We stayed at a fancy resort uh-huh. uh, up in, you know, the mountains. It was beautiful. And so you get all of the the spoils of being in a fancy hotel, but also you're in the middle of nature. You're at the at the hot tub and you're in the middle of all of these r- redwoods, you know, surrounding you. A lot of hotel robe time. Great. A hot tub on our own little private deck. Oh. I, I mean, I'm 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 sorry to rub it in, but it was a perfect weekend. That's fantastic. And um, relaxation for Faye. Relaxation for Faye, but it was it was crazy to be up there. Faye didn't come. She was at oh, home okay. with the dog sitter. But it was crazy to be up there and be away while all of these earthquakes were happening. And I was. Yeah. How, how were your earthquakes? Well, I'll talk. I'll talk you through them. Yeah. Um, first one, I didn't feel. Where were you? I was. It was a Saturday morning. Yeah. Wasn't it Friday? No, it was like no. a Thursday. Or it was Friday on the Fourth of July. It was the on the Fourth of July. Oh, okay, right, right, right. So that was Thursday, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was on my way to Sirius, and uh, and and like not. Even, I was maybe a half a mile away from the house, and Ben texted me, "Earthquake! Did you feel it?" And I didn't feel it. Uh, apparently, Finn, like five seconds before it happened, just went from snoozing to <gasps> spazzing out, wow. and then the earth shook, and I felt a little, a little gypped because I do like an earthquake, right? Uh, and then I guess two nights later, we were at the little wine bar in our corner, Mirabelle at, uh, at Burbank and what's it? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, and we were paying up and suddenly those Edison bulbs just started swaying to and fro. Oh yeah. I saw Ben's video. Of the, yeah. Yeah. The hilarious thing was no, everyone took it in stride. Like the bartender <laughs> just sort of went to protect the wine glasses, which are stacked up on top of each other. Uh-huh. Everybody else was just kind of like, oh, it's an earthquake. And it, it just, the world rolled and, and uh, it went on for a long time. You didn't feel it at all? I, no, I didn't feel it. What's a long time? Long time is minute and a half. A minute and a half? Yeah. Jesus. And it was, it was the feeling of, of walking across a trampoline for like uh-huh. a minute. It was just very shaky and... Sounds wasn't fun, violent. Fun. It Just, was weirdly fun. Oh God! There, I mean, there was no. There didn't seem to be any real damage. You know, you turn on the news and it's like here we're at the Vons where the Prego fell off the shelf yeah, or yeah. whatever. So it's like <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. not. There wasn't that much damage. I think one house caught fire, but that was it. Yeah, it was great. The big one's coming. I would assume that the big one is coming. Yeah. We ordered a um, bunch of earthquake kits great. for our house. We'll have a couple extra. Great. If, if it makes sense for you to head to Eagle Rock when okay. the grid goes down. It just might. It We've just got might. you and Ben covered. Perfect. Uh, we spent the 5th of July at Disneyland. How was that? It was great. We have um, we have a friend whose wife is it works at Disney Animation, right? Okay. So she gets, she gets like this super employee pass. Uh-huh. Um, and then her husband gets a pass that allows him to bring three extra people in. So there were five of us all together. Great. And through her, we got fast passes to just about, to everything you could get. Well, to many things that you get fast passes for. She also is one of those one of these people who like absolutely loves Disney. And wow. I I paid close attention. We were there for a full day. I was like, I wonder. And I say this with so much awe and respect. I wonder if she's going to say any non Disney words today. <laughs> Because it was truly like we got in and we wanted to go to the Millennium Falcon. And she was like, we're, here's what we do. It's a 90-minute wait for this. So we're going to cut through Frontierland and we'll blah, blah, blah. And we'll do this. And then there's this snack here with the Mickey ears. And then and then, then we go to Star Tours. And then Hyperspace Mountain, our, our Fast Pass for that will be ready and whatever. Literally, like every single – there was one moment where at Soarin' Over California – while we were waiting in line, she saw the word Monterey. She's like, oh, Monterey is nice. I've been there. Anyway, oh. uh, then we can cut through Big Thunder Mountain. Literally nothing but Disney all the time. It was fascinating. So she was born for She this. was born to work at Disney and to organize a group of adults for a full day of Disneyland. And have you and been? I loved have you it. Have been as it was an adult never to seen. Disneyland? Uh, once for gay days like 15 years ago. Okay. Um, and Anyway, Disney was fun. It, by the way, there's your straight pride parade. Like, if you're wondering where to fucking have it, That's it, do it there. It is nothing but roving families and matching T-shirts. Mm-hmm. Like, groups of matching T-shirts. No two, no two groups with matching T-shirts are the same. They're like snowflakes. Right, right. Um, it was fun. You know, I, I don't... We didn't get into the cantina. Um, 
Because the like it, you know, reservations for the whole day are gone by. Is that the Star Wars thing? It's a Star Wars thing. We did get on the uh, Millennium Falcon, which was kind of cool because it's like a replica of the Millennium Falcon. Cool. This is nice. Yeah. Um, Did Space Mountain? A lot of fun. Always. We all said it. It got faster. It didn't get faster. We're old now. Um, (laughs) Did Soaring Over California, which is my favorite ever. Sure. And uh, drank beer at California Adventure. I mean, that's fun. Yeah. It was good. Out by three. Oh, Perfect. that's the way to do it. Perfect day. Did not stay for fireworks. Did not. Clearly. Will not stay for fireworks. But yeah, no, it was uh, it was enjoyable. Yeah, I I have not. I had never. I've lived in LA for a hundred years. Just mm-hmm. went to Disneyland last summer for the first time. Yeah, and I love it. Yeah, it's I fun. could. I have it in me. There, there, but for the grace of God, um, mm-hmm. there's a world. There's an alternate universe where I'm a Disney gay. Wow. You know, I'm not going to go down that path. It's not. Can you talk for me, me through but your vision of a Disney gay? You know that that is a whole sect of our I do. people. It's, it's, it's tends to be, you know, gay guys who are in couples who buy the, um, the season passes mm-hmm. and they do. My dear friend Ryan is openly a Disney gay. Yeah. And defiantly get Disney uh, gay. Yeah. And I love him for it. Yeah. Um, and it's just, it's just leaning all the way in unironically loving Disney and mm. becoming a pro, becoming essentially what your friend yeah. is, you yeah. know, but, but not as an employee of the empire, just simply a, you know, a fan. Yeah. People get really into it. I have that potential, but I'm going to yeah. tread lightly only go once a year, mm-hmm. but I'm due. Yeah. I am due for a trip. We missed a massive two, like straight family on straight family brawl, which oh, I saw on Twitter over the weekend. Like yeah. two families just pummeling the shit out of each other. The grandmother gets off her jazzy to like throw some punches. She falls down all the time. There's Mickey's Toontown signage in the background. It's fantastic. What was the source of the fight? Uh, who knows? We don't know. I have no idea and I don't care, but it was great. Um, We got a big show this week. We really do. We do. We I have love this guy. Beloved guest, musician, and uh, artist, Bright Light, Bright Light. He's also known as Rod Thomas in real life. Not Rob Thomas. Of course. Or the other Rob Thomas. But Rod Thomas. He is Welsh. He is a pop artist who has, uh, who has a couple of albums uh, as Bright Light, Bright Light that are such pop joy. Yeah. I fucking love them. By the way, before we get into it, who is the other, other Rob Thomas? Uh, Veronica Mars guy. Uh, okay. Yeah, not him. Not him. Uh, he also, if you happen to be, he usually does it in, uh, in New York, occasionally out here in LA. If you are, uh, in New York and, uh, you read about a Romy and Michelle party, that is Rod Thomas's party. Go to it. He is a fantastic DJ. He plays great pop music. I gotta get myself to that. Mm-hmm. I love Romy. I love Michelle. And I love Bright Light, Bright Light. <laughs> Open that LaCroix. Done. Open that LaCroix, Rod Thomas. Why is it called LaCroix in America? Oh, you know, I, I did the, uh, I always I did the absolutely LaCroix, fabulous like thing. Fab, yeah, of, of course. course. Sweetie. I don't, you know, I'm not around LaCroix enough to really say it. Mm-hmm. I had, they have them at, uh, at Sirius XM in the, uh, in the fridge and they're free and I like free things. I had a peach pear last night. It was absolutely disgusting. The, a lot of the flavors are really putrid. They're I think. really yeah. actually rotten tasting. Yeah. Yeah. Not yeah. a fan. You've got a berry. Your thoughts? Um, I haven't tried it yet. Let me see. All right. This is as we speak. <laughs> I wouldn't have deduced that was a berry flavor. Really? I can taste something. Yeah. But it could be, you know, anything from like a citrus to like, um, you know, the flavor of like a highlighter pen. It uh-huh. could be anything. May I? You may. Thank you. Okay. So it was a little too weak. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That, oh, that is a strong uh, cough syrup mm. flavor to it. Yeah. There was one called like Benelin when I was a kid and I used to pretend to be sick so I could have it because it was really <laughs> sugary and delicious. Really? So it's like someone has done, ordered like a Benelin and soda at the bar. Yeah. You know, that kind of thing. Is that a thing? Would you do that? In totally. Wales? I think that's called drank over here, isn't it? Oh, yeah, I guess it is. Or purple like or something. <laughs> I've been trying to acclimatize to this country and learn my my beverages. Uh-huh. And you're into, we were talking a little bit about drag race, but mm-hmm. I figured we should have this conversation yes. on mic. Your thoughts? 
I am a huge fan of Drag Race. Um, I've loved it since... I first saw it when I moved to America because it wasn't airing in the UK at the time. Yeah. So the first time I saw it was like the Jinx Monsoon detox season. And it's great, produced, season. you know, great season. So many of my favorite queens. It's difficult at the moment, though, because it's on so much that you yeah. don't have the anticipation anymore, which is what I really loved. You know, like waiting yeah. for the next season kind of thing. Right. Um. So it's it's hard because like there are so many queens and, you know, when you live in cities that have so many queens performing that aren't of that kind of ilk of performer. Right. Then um, you wish that there was a bit more of that. Like we were talking about Dina Martina, who is one of my favorite performers in any, any format yeah. or genre in the world, you know. Um, but you know that she wouldn't do well on the show. Exactly. So you see like how many more of those there are, like the Heclina or like Lipsinka wouldn't survive on that show because it's not their format right but i do think of it in like you know as a musician x factor is not for me i'd probably fail that yeah um so for a lot of for drag like rupaul's drag race isn't for the kind of me's of the music world sure in drag sure so as long as you can make peace with that then right. it's cool but pop music has been in the mainstream drag is kind of new to the mainstream True. and it's not i i you know, the thing is, it's, it doesn't drag people, no, no pun intended, uh, like people like Dina Martina into the mainstream, but maybe in the in the final analysis, that's good for them. Yeah. You know, because then they get to continue to be the alternative. Yeah, because then people will see Dina as more of like a performer than a drag queen. Yeah. Which in theory, I think is really what she is. For sure. You know, oh my God, I just thinking about... Um, that Shen Yan poster that she did on her Instagram. Did you see that? I haven't seen it. She just like superimposed her face over the Shen Yan <laughs> yeah. image. And it's, it just killed me. I, lo- I love her. Slain. What is Shen Yan? Um, Do we know yet? N- no, <laughs> I had to Google it after seeing that image because the image made me laugh so much. It's, it's like all over LA. Yeah, it's some show that apparently they do every year, which I've never seen anywhere before. Yeah. But yeah. Do you know what it is? I don't know. Like, I yeah. feel like... I, it's the same joke. It's like it it, it shows up every year on billions yes. of posters. And I know it's like cult, culturally. There's even TV commercials for it too. When I still wow. had cable, they would like yeah. be like Shenyan, like <laughs> finally back or whatever. And I was like, I didn't even know. I didn't know that it left <laughs> or that it even came to begin with. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. what it is. Uh, what's the last thing you saw on stage that you loved? Ooh, on stage, I saw. Um, I think it it had like a really limited run in New York. So my old keyboard player and drummer from London, they're part of this theatre company called Theatre Re. And they did a show at the New Victory in New York called The Nature of Forgetting. And it is an incredible um, physical theatre piece about um, dementia, early onset dementia. And they used physicality and the songs and the score and everything to explore what actually happens in your brain when you start to forget facts and like unraveling truths and re-remembering them and like slowing and speeding up memories. And it it's one of the best things I've ever seen on stage. I saw that just before I came here. Really? Yeah. Where, did that open in New York? It did. And I, it was just on last weekend. So I've given you some utterly useless information. <laughs> okay. But you should look them up. It's theatre Okay. Spelt the, the English way. Okay. T-H-E-A-T-R-E-R-E. R-E. Spelled the fancy way. Yeah. Okay. The, p- the posh way. Uh-huh. You're wearing an I Still Don't Know Her t-shirt. I am. In uh, in honor of Miss Mariah Carey? I would say in homage, awe, and delight of uh-huh. Miss Carey. Yes. Okay. What are your thoughts on, uh, on was it caution? Caution. It yeah. is caution. It is caution. Um, it always will be caution. I think... <laughs> I think it's her finest album. Really? Yeah. I'm, I think it's incredible. I listen to it all the time. I've been going for runs every morning down like Sunset Boulevard, listening to Caution, like just feeling really fierce and like lip syncing at people's mansions as I'm going past it. <laughs> just telling them to get just the fuck out. T- telling them, yeah. How about you Let get the, me fuck, the fuck out? Let me the fuck in. Yes. Um, I, I, think it's a, I think it's a great record. And listen, I'm... I am a lamb. I'm a proud lamb. Uh-huh. I would say maybe even an ew at some point, educating people. Um, but I'm, you know, I'm not like an idiot. I'm aware that not everything anybody has released is perfect. Right. So, you know, I'm never going to tell you to go and buy Charm Bracelet on iTunes, but I am going to tell you to buy Glitter because that deserved a second chance. Glitter deserved, and it definitely deserves She's an amazing lyricist. Chance. You know, she's an amazing songwriter, which people don't acknowledge as, as much as they should. And I really think Caution is like a really mature, cool, modern record. And it took me completely by surprise. It's fab. It's very strange to me that um, 
We Belong Together was mm-hmm. such a huge single. And mm. now that's kind of, we don't remember it as well. It's like the avatar of song. Do you think? I do. Yeah. Oh, you don't I frequent just, the same places as me. Really? Yeah. Yeah. That song never really did much for me, but it was massive. Oh. It was huge. It was really big in the UK as well. It was almost number one. Mm-hmm. And that would have been her first self-penned number one in the UK. Oh. Yeah. What kept it out? Oh, I don't know. Something trash like... The fast food rockers or some shit. I don't know. What was the fast food rockers? You don't remember them? No, that never made it over here. Oh, God. This grotesque, like... Um, it's not Lost Ketchups or whatever. It's of the same world. It was kind of like the B-52s. If the B-52s wore plastic hair and sang about fast food. It was oh. the song about fast food. It was gross. Oh. Yeah. That's terrible. Yeah, it's terrible. I'm sorry. You know what I was obsessed with was the Cheeky Girls. <laughs> what? Can you explain the Cheeky Girls? Can anyone? I guess not. Um, they were on Pop Idol or X Factor or something. Yeah. Two girls from Transylvania, and their mom wrote the song for right. them. Literal Transylvanian. Transylvanian, yeah. yeah. Um, and it was called um, We Are the Cheeky Girls, Touch My Bum, This Is Life. Yes, yeah. This is life. This is life, Touch My Bum. Yeah. Um, I haven't lived. Yeah, yeah, I haven't either, actually. I've never <laughs> touched either of their bums. I also loved their follow-up single, Take Your Shoes Off. So nice. Which take your was, shoesies off. Take your yeah. shoesies off. Literally about taking your shoes off. Yeah. And feel, feeling the freedom. Yeah. Um, the the breakdown literally goes, you know? and it, and this is some weird Transylvanian accent. Have you heard uh, Take Your Shoes Off from the Cheeky Girls? Sure haven't. Really? I came late hoping that I would get all the nerding about music out of the way. Sorry. I, <laughs> no. I guess I'm I think you're too about damn two bad. and a half years away from that. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Um, the breakdown, and I don't understand the accent uh, in Transylvania. Right. But it was, um, come on, everybody. Come on, take your shoes off. Feel the teenage freedom. Mm-hmm. Feel it all around you. That was, <laughs> in spoken word, they would go through that twice. Teenage and that was freedom. The, feel the teenage freedom. That's nice. Take kind your shoes like, off. Um, in that Ace of Base song, who I'm also a massive stand for, um, Lucky Love Belongs in Teenage Heaven. Yes. I know. What does that mean? <laughs> Uh, in, in Joyride by Roxette. They, um, yes, teenage. Uh, we're telling all our secrets yeah. in a wonderful balloon. Um, yeah. we're, okay, the, the live version that they released on vinyl of Joyride, mm-hmm. um, in the second verse when he says, and we're all magic friends, he repeats it. We're all magic friends! <laughs> like that. And it still doesn't make any sense, but I love it. Oh, there's something so wonderful about ESL, isn't there? Mm-hmm. It's just, it unlocks a part of the language that just holds all the joy. Yeah. I think. Yep. Um, Another Ace of Bass gem um, at the end of Dancer in a Daydream, which is like a deep cut that I DJ very frequently in my uh, DJ sets and people think it's a cool new band. What did she say at the end? Um, What are you going to do? I'm a bold explosion. (laughs) What are you going to do? I'm a bold explosion. End. Oh, wow. Bold explosion? Bold. Bold Bold. explosion. An explosion yeah. of boldness. Boldness. <laughs> so you do DJ. Uh, I DJ. For our lot, listeners, yeah. Rod yeah. Thomas does not only make music, and if mm-hmm. you name Bright Light, Bright Light, he also DJs a party called Romy Michelle's Saturday Afternoon Tea Party. That's right. Yes. If I you am, haven't been, I you am must. that gay. Um, I am obsessed with the film, obviously. Sure. And uh, what I really like about music is the fact that, you know, it can bring people together and it's a good way to like explore history and pop culture and you know it it's one thing it's like a universal language so i met all of these brilliant people in new york and wherever i travel like you know you here and things and i thought it'd be really fun if the people i met could meet each other and so i started this tea party and um i was like oh i'll call it romy michelle saturday afternoon tea party i was like oh actually why not yeah and um because in the film, they say they invented post-its. I have a request wall where people write songs on post-its and they mm-hmm. request songs that way. Because I, I like to encourage people to request songs. You know, it's like co-curating the event. Yeah. It makes people feel involved. And then I get to learn about songs that maybe I haven't heard before. And I can see people taking photos of the requests on the wall. So like they're learning about new songs and people are chatting like, oh, I requested that too. Oh my God. And it's a nice way for people to mingle, meet new friends and just have a really good time on a Saturday afternoon. I love it. It's a good time. We want to. We need to attend next time we go to New York. Please do. It's every Saturday. And you've done it out here. You should do it more. I have. I know. I was hoping to this time, but it didn't didn't work out. Mm-hmm. Has the cast ever attended? Well, I do it at Alan Cummings Bar actually. Oh, so right. I know that's the that's the little clincher. Is that a word? Clinch? So is everyone sure. lining up Cinch, to try to? I'll take it. You're, if it's clinched and it's cinched. Mm. 
Is everyone lining up to do the choreography from the movie people? With him? People do do that, yeah. The mm-hmm. time after time dance. People live their best lives. <laughs> I actually did a Mariah Carey special two weeks ago, um, and it was pretty much all Mariah Carey, and it was the busiest it's ever been. People were singing like you know, unreleased Japanese bonus tracks and that you can't actually buy, but they knew all the words. People were like twirling and screaming and somebody came up to me and gave me a $20 tip and was like, this is the best night I've ever had in my life. And I was like, amazing. <laughs> the people that come are just so unhinged. I love it. Oh, it's great. Have you guys already discussed his shirt? Yes. Oh, that okay. is how we got onto Mariah. Got it. Great. In the first place. What have you uh, listened to lately that you've loved? What's new that's good? Um, caution by Mariah Carey. Um, I'm I'm really bad with new stuff because uh, I'm lucky in that I get to make music for a living, which is awesome, and I never thought I'd get to do that. But the problem when you're making music for a living is you don't have music on in the background. So when I had, like, really boring jobs, I got to listen to new music with it, like, endlessly going between what was coming out while I was doing admin, you know. Yeah. But I can't write and listen, so I'm very slow on the uptake. I'm kind of like the grandma of hmm. modern music now. What have I listened to? Lizzo, I think, is amazing. Of course. Of course. Um, I love the Moona record that was out probably two years ago now. Um, Mariah's new album. I like bits of the Ariana Grande record. Sure. Like, it's a bit cool for me. Yeah. But, um, but I can fake cool for a couple of songs and, sure. and get on board. Um, and who else? Who else is new? I can't think of a single thing. Eh. What about you? Well, I, Either mm, of you? Yeah. No, nobody wants to hear. I've got nothing. <laughs> this is not my area. Um, I just went to South by Southwest, and so I got to see a bunch of oh. bands that Ooh. I had never heard of. My friend was playing, and she's amazing. She hasn't got a record out. She's got a song out. Her name's um, Harkin is the band name, uh-huh. H-A-R-K-I-N. Uh-huh. Um, and she's been... Uh, if you've ever seen any of these bands on tour, she's been in them. She's been in like uh, Slater Kenny. Um, mm. She's played with like Wild Beasts, um, all these people. She's been like one of the touring musicians and she's doing her own music Okay, um, cool. at the moment. It's fab. The song's called Mist on Glass and it's on the Broad City finale. Oh, uh, mm-hmm. nice. Great. Yeah, fab. Excellent. I'm curious Sorry. what those um, those uh, boring jobs that you used to have uh, when mm. you used to listen to more music. Well, the first one... In theory, was a cool job. It was working at uh, a music distribution company called oh. PS, who now distribute my music, so I shouldn't say it's boring. Oh, wow. um, but I was a receptionist and then a PA to the MD, which was dry. Um, and then I did marketing assistant, which was better, and I got to work with some of the bands. Um, that was cool. Um, but, like, we had these release schedules and because we distributed 200 labels like XL, uh, Warp, Domino, Beggars, like that group, all secretly Canadian. We had like, you know, 100 releases every week. So we'd have to listen through them all in the office. And it was cool. It was at the time like Alligator came out by The National and like Arctic Monkeys first record, Basement Jack's Best Of, um, God, what else came out? Franz Ferdinand. So we had all of these amazing records to listen to. And I felt like quite, you know, Mm -hmm. savvy about everything coming out. And then I quit my job because I'm a lunatic and started doing uh, the odd temp job, like a reception at like a booking agency. And I was like busking on the subway and I delivered um, Indian food and Tupperware to um, people doing stock market around London for a little while, which was hideous. Uh And then I had whatever I had on my headphones then. Wow. When were you able to make music your full-time job? It was from like 2000 and... uh, 2008 properly, I think. I was doing it mostly full-time, like busking on the subway. You know what busking is, right? Yeah. I I don't know if it's a term over here. I'm still, it's my ESL or my (laughs) ASL, American Second Language. Um, uh, So I was doing mostly busking with the odd like bar job. And I think from like 2008, um, I didn't have the bar jobs as much anymore. So I was just doing doing music full-time. It's a long time now, 10 years. Yeah. 11 almost. Yeah. 11, oh God, yeah. I can't count. Ah. That's why I don't have an admin job anymore, <laughs> I can't count. So you were a kid in uh, in Wales, mm-hmm. growing up obsessed with pop music. What, yes. were your, what were your obsessions? My obsessions were Ace of Bass, which remains. Um, things like, I loved like 90s dance music, like Live and Joy, Corona. Sure. Oh my God, I loved Corona so much. Um, Corona, Real McCoy. But then people like who had 
really weird shape-shifting identities, but you could always tell it was them. So like Grace Jones, Björk, David Bowie, Elton John, Pet Shop Boys, Erasure, um, oh, Kate Bush, you know, those like otherworldly people that just blew your mind, but you still couldn't get the songs out of your head. Like I couldn't understand how you could do that. That's that's what like, really yeah. got my my brain thinking. What were the charts like when you were like 12, 13? Oh, they were interesting. Um, so like Ace of Bass had huge singles, but then there was like a lot of, you know, that reggae kind of style, sure. which Ace of Bass tapped into, I suppose, or appropriated, should we say. Um, and yeah, there were loads of like ballads. So it was Music Box era, Mariah Carey. It's yeah. like, anytime you need a friend. Oh, It was boy. like huge, amazing, die for it. Um, the UK charts were interesting. And I was one of those kids that would like listen to the charts, tape the charts, rewind. Um, you know, I was very into what was popular. Yeah. And I didn't really understand why. And I think now it's because I was absorbing, you know, all of these worlds that I wasn't really part of. Yeah. What was what was growing up in Wales like? Um, very calm. I'm an only child, mm-hmm. um, as you can tell by my insane mind. Um, I had a lot of time on my own. Um, and we grew up in the middle of an old coal mining valley, but not in the village. It was like between two villages. So there was my house, a uh, farm behind, which had like no children on it. It was just the, you know, the husband and wife and uh, like a two houses together opposite, which was two um, old women and then the road and sheep. Oh. <laughs> so it was... Uh, and the radio. And the ra- and God bless the radio. Um so it was, it was odd. It's odd thinking about it now because I don't remember being like bored particularly, but I can't fathom what I did. But it gave me the time to like learn a couple of instruments and, you know, get very geeky about pop music and watch a lot of movies and TV and stuff and play video games. And like all of that has really shaped how I make music. I think I take lines from video games and like sounds and like lines from movies have inspired stuff and dance sequences from films. Um so I think I was just like a giant sponge, yeah. desperate um, sponge. You mentioned Elton John, and you've gone on to work with him mm. many times. And I'm, uh, I just, I just love to hear what it's like to not only meet your heroes, but then collaborate with them. It's absolutely fucking wild. <laughs> what was your first meeting with him? So he has this management company, which is now called Rocket, and it was called 21st Artists at the time, I think. And I was sort of um, up taken into them through my booking agent who started managing me and she was taken in. So, you know, it was just such a different world. I was busking on the subway and making like random little folk music because I didn't have any money to make electronic music at the time. And they had a Christmas party and every all the artists were invited and we all met each other. And so it was like me, Sophie Ellis-Bexter, James Blunt, um, Marina and the Diamonds, um, Bastille when he was still Dan Smith um, and Elton John. And so you're meeting Elton John and you're just like, this is wild, you know, like absolutely wild. It's very hard to describe what that's like. Um but I'm picturing him sitting in a throne and you're ushered you're ushered over to I mean, him and keep that image, why not? <laughs> um but it, that company, like they would tell you as well, their skill set was maintaining and augmenting the careers of artists who were already established, which was they were so good at that. But they struggled a bit with the newer artists. So like myself and like Dan Smith before he became Bastille left the roster and a few other newer artists. And I thought, well, that's my chance to ever be friends with him, gone. And over the next year or two, I put out my um, my debut album and he saw the review of it in Q magazine and he rang me. He was like, I've just seen the review. It's awesome. I'm really proud. Um, and I was like, oh, I was going to send it to you actually. when I've ordered it. No problem. And then he rang me the next week and he's like, it's great. Come for dinner. So I went to his house for lunch and you might have deduced that I'm quite ridiculous. And uh, I made him laugh. And so he kept me around. And we just hang out more and more. And I was like working on the second album and I played him some demos and he said that he'd sing on one of the songs. And then we just had a really good friendship, I think. And he, you know, he loves supporting new music and he's always listening to new stuff. Like he would email me songs from SoundCloud, like, have you heard this remix? And which is mind blowing because he's so busy. Mm-hmm. Um, but he he really does like to help people he knows 
who work really hard and like without sounding like a dick, I do work really hard because I love what I do. So it's like a, I've always had this weird work ethic where I just like getting stuff done, which is why it's been largely self-released and not waiting for, you know, whatever miracle to happen. Um, and he liked that because it reminded him, I think, of when he was hustling as a young kid and um, and we had so much musical taste in common. So he kind of took a little chance on me and took me on the road. And it was meant to be seven shows. The audience really liked it. So then it became 15 shows and it just kept extending my stay and I did 57 shows. Holy yeah. cow. Yeah, it was wild. That's so wild. Wild. And where were you living at the time? I had <laughs> I had just moved to New York. Yeah. And just as I moved to New York, uh, I found out that I was going on tour everywhere apart from New York. Uh-huh. So technically, my address was Brooklyn. Right. But uh, I was everywhere else. I love it. Yeah. Can you walk us through a typical day in your life? Um. I don't think I have a typical day, really. No. At the moment, I kind of do. So I'm not touring this year. I'm just in the studio, like my home studio, recording and writing. So I'll wake up at like eight. Um, I'll maybe go for a run if the weather is nice. Um, and then I'll come home and I will have breakfast. And then I'll do my emails and my admin that everyone has. And then I'll like listen to some songs and then I'll try and write something new every day mm. or work on something that I've been working on the day before um, and like go through things like old samples that I've found, like drum patterns and drum loops and whatever, and try to get new ideas um, and procrastinate massively. Um, I'll play something at the piano. I'll get infuriated with someone on Twitter. Um, I will uh, laugh at memes and I will text my friends to distract myself more and then I will usually arrive at like some kind of idea towards the end of the day when I'm just about ready to stop mm-hmm. um, and then I'll go and see a friend for a drink and then uh, come back home and either finish more work on that or I'll watch a really old trash 80s horror movie Ooh, any, any favourites? Yeah, oh, so many favourites um, Oh, God, what have I watched recently? Probably like late 70s, actually. There's one called Lizard in a Woman's Skin, which is oh. fabulous. I'm a huge soundtrack fan. So I've been going through lists of like the best movie soundtracks and trying to like rewatch the movie so I can see how the movie and the score fits together. Um, so that was a really good one. Blowout, which is like 1978, I think, with John Travolta yeah. and Nancy Allen. Um, Tourist Trap, which was around that time. Pino Danaggio did all of those scores, so I'm like a huge fan of his work. Mm. I sound like such a loser. No, um, you don't. And You're like a winner, baby. And Aliens. I love Aliens sure. mm-hmm. so much. Um, like The Nightmare on Elm Street 2 and 3, mm-hmm. I'm a huge yeah. fan of. Is 2 or 3 the gay one? 2. 2. Yeah, so my friend Tyler is making a documentary called Scream Queen yeah. uh, about that at the moment, and I can't wait to see it. Oh, yeah, that's yeah, been I've in the works that. for a while. Yeah, I think it took a while to get some of the footage like tidied up and yeah. you know get everything they needed but that's coming soon yeah i'm obsessed with the especially the early nightmare on elm street movies yeah and, and they're the the screenwriters is now after the at the time denied that there was any gay subtext but mm-hmm. ha- like in recent years is openly like oh yeah it was 100 percent intentional and <laughs> well i think like the shower no bondage scene was probably a giveaway sure yeah. but you know hollywood so um but so, it was yeah. all meta, like Freddie coming out of his body yeah. and interfering with his relationship with the girl and her love being the only thing that could cure him from his inner Freddie. And who was the the other actor, the hot one? Uh, Grady was the, was the character's oh, name. Do you know what it was? Robert like, like, Rustler. Robert, oh my God, I die. Yeah. Um, yeah. Vamp is another one actually thinking of him. Okay. Um, I think he was in, uh, what else was he in? Robert Rustler. Like your dreams? Uh, yeah. Weird Science. Wasn't he in Weird Science oh, also? Yeah. He and yeah, um, he Robert Downey Jr. were like the bully guys. Right. He was lovely. Mm. Yeah, but Robert that's Rustler. a couple of the couple of the movies I've been watching and rewatching anyway. Uh, all the greats. Are you familiar with uh, David Ducouteau and his films? No. You will not get a lot of uh, score inspiration from them because it's pretty it's pretty cheesy okay but he did a, are you matt i don't think so um he did the brotherhood and okay. all of those sequels he they're essentially like very low budget 
direct-to-DVD horror movies for teenage girls and 30-year-old gay men. Well, that sounds like my dream. Yeah. You would love them. Okay. They're uh, completely insane. They're very bad. Um, mm. The uh, the first one, The Brotherhood, is about um, the guy who went on to be Joan's husband on Mad, uh, Mad Men. Oh, yes. Yes. Beautiful. Jaw. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and uh, he is a freshman at this college, and there's a fraternity full of vampires, and they have to find the most beautiful freshman to, like, to initiate oh so that, like, Hot. the lead vampire can, like, be reborn in his body and whatever, and they can keep the cycle going. And it's not homoerotic. It is homo sexual <laughs> like it is deeply super gay amazing did you um, ever see the um the deeply super gay vampire show that was on for a couple years it was on it was it was a, one of logos like few original shows no. called there was dante's cove and then there was another maybe that was Dante. there were two, was two like, there was noah's ark like and that. then dante's cove the layer I Don't think like, it was called. Oh, and then there no. was Dante's Cove. No. I don't know anything about Dante's it. Dante's Cove sounds like a, a sort of old, like, um, romance novel written by someone wearing pearls, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. Sure. We I, should do it. a rewatch of some of those old logo shows. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. They've got to be online somewhere. We're going to take a break. We're going to take our shoesies off. We're going to feel the teenage freedom. <laughs> Touch up, bums. And we will be right back with more of our friend, Rob Thomas. <laughs> Cheeky girls! So cheeky. <laughs> cheeky, cheeky. We're back with Ron Thomas. Mm-hmm. Um, so you, from the beginning, have been an out... LGBTQ artist. Yes. W- was that ever a question? Y- you know what it was? Um, so before I started releasing stuff as Bright Light, Bright Light, I went under my own name. And I was hesitant to talk about sexuality at that point, just because it's such a, oh my God, it's such an like, eye-roll classification go-to for people. And that I saw people and that was like all they would be interviewed about. Um, Also, you know, at that point in my life, I was aware that there are prejudices within the music industry towards, you know, certain sections of the LGBT community. Um, Well, now QIA, but at the time people were just sort of focusing on the gay. Um, And I just didn't feel confident. I didn't really want to talk about my personal life as much because I wasn't sure what I was doing. I was making music that I could make, but I didn't have the money or the the production skills to make the music that I really wanted to, like I do now. Um, and so I think I was just in like a, a place where I didn't know how long I'd be able to get to do it, what my audience was, if I even had one. And I was insecure all around. And then when I did a few more demos and came out here actually in 2009 to work with Boom Bip, who maybe you know, he's on like Lex Records and part of Neon Neon, who are amazing. Um, we did these like electronic productions and I was like, this, this is what I am and this is what I want to do. And I created the pseudonym, uh, Bright Light, Bright Light. And weirdly, it was like adopting a pseudonym that allowed me to be more myself. Mm-hmm. And from that point on, I was just like, I'm just going to talk about whatever. And it's important too, because I'm comfortable with it. And it's important, you know? Um, and when you were kind of grappling with that question professionally, where were you personally? Were you f- fully out? Oh, yeah, I've been out since that? I was like 17, yeah. But, you know, it's just kind of a... The media is different now. And really, like, gay people, other than Scissor Sisters, for example, who did inspire me to be more, you know, fucking open about things, um, they were really the only big out group getting yeah. press for for a lot of the 2000s. And I didn't feel, I think more than anything, I didn't feel like my sexuality was relevant to the music I was making um, before I adopted the pseudonym. And then I was like, actually, this is really projecting who I am, what has influenced my music, what I enjoy in my life. And it is very much part of the queer world. Mm -hmm. So that's when it's appropriate to talk about it or it feels more natural to talk about it rather than just going like, by the way, I'm gay, you know. Um, it's a hard hard one to explain but also it's stuff to do with like you know um, if that's the first thing people write about about you and like your family see that and we don't all have you know 
100% accepting families. My parents and my family are amazing, but there's family's friends. And, you know, I come from a part of the world where, you know, people don't like gay people, truly. So it's like I didn't want... I didn't want that to be the talking point before I proved that I'm good at what I do. Right. Because I didn't want to give people that easy write-off ammunition. Right. What about your personal life now? What's your dating uh, situation? I am gorgeously single. Um, Dating's hard, you know, because... Um, because it is, and everyone's terrible. Um, I'm joking. It's it's hard. Well, not really. Well, yes, yes. Um, no, it's been hard because I've been on the road for ten years, like pretty much the whole time. Um, even when I got home, I was counting down to leaving again in like you know anything between a week to two months. And so, anytime you meet somebody, you're just about to leave again, and that isn't really conducive to uh, a long-lasting relationship. And conducive I have conducive to great songwriting. I yeah, exactly. <laughs> Lots of material. Um, I am the material girl. There's yeah, it's been it's been a bit tricky, uh, but you know, it's not my focus. I guess like I'm not obsessed with like having a boyfriend or you know having a house and a cat or whatever. Even though I would love those things. I've been really enjoying getting to do what I do and meeting so many people across the world and just like, you know, for all the evils that they have, the apps have been kind of good for like meeting cool friends and different people when I've been traveling. Um, So there's been, I've made the most, let's say, of not being in a relationship, like the lack of missing somebody and the lack of like being alone, that that has sort of allowed me. And mm-hmm. for for the first year I was touring with Elton, actually, I did have a boyfriend who lived in Paris, which was really difficult to maintain. And then that didn't work. And at various other points, there's been people for like three or four months here and there, but it's been tough. Um, it's not a lifestyle that allows um, easy dating because not everybody is up for somebody that's like right. away a lot, you know? But it is a lifestyle that if this is your thing, uh, is conducive to like... I'm in town for a couple of nights. Let's have some fun and then part ways. I mean, I won't say no. <laughs> I, 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 I mean, I would hope. I'm, I, I would hope. Yeah, no, it does. I mean, as you probably know, like everybody is a lot more fluid at the moment. And, you know, lots of people are much more relaxed about how, those kind of connections where it's like a couple of days here and a couple of days there. And that's fine. That's not what I want out of my life ultimately. And like, I don't want to be the third person in someone's relationship, I do actually like have aspirations to have a partner. Mm. Um, But in the meantime, where I don't really have that like logistic option, then, you know, it is an easy way to meet people. And you do have like these amazing connections. I've met people all over like Europe and America who are just amazing people. And without that sort of time scale or the temporary nature of being in town just at the right time, I wouldn't have met them. And a lot of them were still really good friends. So, you know... Have you had that exact situation where someone wants you to be a third? Uh, Not officially a third, but I mean, pretty much everyone I know is open at the moment and that's fine. You know, it means you get to sleep with really hot people sometimes. But like, I I don't want to feel like the addition, you know, if like the kind of like, you know, conservatory build on the back of the house or whatever. It's like... (laughs) You never go in there, really, but sometimes yeah. you do, and it's nice. You want to be the house. <laughs> I want to be the house girl. <laughs> what messages did you get growing up in uh, in Wales about what adult queer life would be? None, honestly. Um, it was... I didn't really know anything about gay culture until I was maybe like 14 or 15, where I met a group of people in my hometown um, who were that you know of that world but none of us really came out until we were 16 or 17 that's when people started talking about it we were just being crazy and dramatic and doing all these things and you know we did start going to gay bars I think we were like 15 or 16 there was one in a couple in Swansea that we'd sneak to and how far is Swansea Swansea was about 15 miles away okay so you know we'd have to like find a way to get there and get home maybe I went there when I was like 17 because I was a driver yeah um but in terms of like the wider population, like nobody spoke about it, really. Nobody, um, no one of like an adult age was talking to us about it. There was no awareness. There was no education. Um, it was just something that you didn't talk about and wasn't approved of. Were there all. role models? Was Did you see anyone who... No. Yeah. No, no role models. Um, 
And something that people have asked me a lot about is like what role models I had in general, not people from where I'm from, but like who was my gay role model growing up. And I grappled with that a long time because you see Elton, Andy Bell, Neil Tennant, all these people on TV that were so otherworldly, I couldn't relate to them. They looked like these fantastical figures that had these like, you know, insane lives. And it was so dramatic and so picturesque and so Hollywood and so glamorous that as like a little kid growing up in a Welsh coal mine in Valley, I'd felt nothing like that. So I'm like, oh, well, I can't be that. That can't be my life. So what am I? You know, I'm obviously not the farm worker or like the teacher or the the straight guy, but I'm also not them. So like what what on earth am I? And then you kind of like don't know what to do with yourself. So then it takes those group of friends to sort of be like, oh, there's more of us. Sure. So we do exist. But what are we? And you kind of make your own fabulous. And then then you kind of learn a way to understand what you are. But like, oh, God, that thinking about that coming out period again is just so gross, isn't it? It really is. I can't imagine what it's like these days. People think it must be easier, but I don't know if it is because it's it's so it's still such an issue, isn't it? And like your experience is always going to be traumatic whether it's like whether everyone else you know is gay or not or whether your parents are liberal or not your experience is still going to be like that moment of well there's no hiding after that and right. i don't know how people will react there are more uh role models now but then also when you're 13 you you know you get instagram and you see the picture of the you know 20 guys with the same shoulders and abs, you know, mm-hmm. in a pool. Mm-hmm. Like, that's got to be terrifying. I, yeah. I guess that's what gay means. Yeah, that's what I have to be. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I get very frustrated with um, the representation of the LGBTQIA world in general within the world because there's a lot of backlash for people that aren't extreme and fabulous and, you know, doing gender bending things. Like Mm -hmm. I see a lot of shaming of people for being like quote unquote vanilla or being boring or whatever. And I desperately needed somebody like that when I was growing up to show you that like not everybody who is gay is like wild or exciting or challenging or, you know, you need to be able to see that like, like, the world itself, the LGBTQIA world is a spectrum and people exist in every aspect of that and they are 100% allowed to it. And if you're shaming people for being anything other than what you are, you are part of the problem, in my opinion. So I get very frustrated by people like, you know, saying that you're not challenging enough or you're not extreme enough or you're not um, representing enough. Like everybody's representing something. And if you're if you're not letting them do that, you're trying to make them not be themselves, which is what you're trying to say people don't let you do. Mm. You know what I mean? I do. And you're always broadening someone's mind. Yeah. I mean, you don't have to look different to be different. Everyone has thoughts, everyone has opinions. And people forget to listen. Like, don't keep telling people what they should be. Don't keep telling people what you are. Like, you know, you can do that. And there are amazing artists that are very challenging and very inspirational. But you can also like watch how people behave and see that, you know, some people don't have the giant voice that you do. Some people don't have the confidence or the background or the backup or the finance or, you know, not everyone's an artist. And that's totally fine. Like it's it's okay if you don't create revolutionary art. You can be a you can do charity work, you can educate, you can, you know, you can calm people down, you can support people. There's so much need for people like that in the world as much as like the forerunners. Like if you think about like a football team, there's an attack, there's a defense, there's a middle ground. In tennis, there's defensive serves, there's offensive serves. In war, there's the front line, there's the back line, there's the ambulance drivers, everything like that. Like you need to understand that everybody in the world needs everybody else to be doing something different for them as well for everyone to survive. I think that's really important. And which are you? Oh my God, I think I'm the one serving the cocktails. Great. <laughs> we need it. Do we I'm, ever I'm the one, need it? I'm the, just the one DJing Ace of Bass in the corner. <laughs> hey, uh, last question is that there is a, a phenomenon known as the homophilia bump. This is true. For our uh, single guests like yourself who have expressed an interest in meeting someone where it, just keep the DMs open and okay. expect mm-hmm. to be hit up. But who uh, who are you looking for? What is, what is your type who need apply? Um, Give pe- us some physical types. Physical types. It's kind of like very broad. Um, it's not that defined. Like a beard goes a long way. 
but is not 100% necessary. Uh-huh. You know, I'm been known to make out with people that don't have a beard. Um, He's open-minded. <laughs> yes, I'm open-minded. It's For me, it's really about personality more than anything. So people that make me laugh, like, go a very long way. I'm very much humor-driven. Um, that's that's kind of like the, right. the main winner for me, really. Well, lead yeah. with a joke. Ca- mm-hmm. Comedians. People. There you go. Think yeah. long and hard about the DM that you send to please, Rod Thomas Please do. There. Yeah. But, you know, the DMs are always checked. So from here, where are we going? Now, you're, you're in Los Angeles for one more day. Yeah, for one more day. What's on I your am, agenda? Ooh, lots of work. So it's, the, it's a work, not a pleasure trip this time. So, like, lots of recording, going to the studio tonight, which is awesome. Um, working on the next album, Great. which is also fun. Do we um, have titles? Do we have... We is there do, we can I reveal? Wanna, I can't reveal it yet. Okay. Yeah, but it's going to be really fun. Like, I'm... I'm having a really good time. The The DJ parties that I do are really influencing this next album. Like, I'm very much enjoying watching what people are responding to at the parties on the dance floor and just watching what gives people, like, joy or those emotional moments. And I'm trying to learn from all the songs that I'm playing what I'm enjoying the most and what I feel is maybe, like, missing from the other albums that I've done or songs that I'd love to be able to sing on stage and taking that energy and trying to channel that into something new. Okay. Not plagiarizing, I might no, add. No, of course. <laughs> well, Thomas, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. Enjoy your time in Los Angeles. Come I back soon. Do. I will. Bright light, bright light. Bright light indeed. He is the brightest of lights. Yes. What a delight to talk to him, mm-hmm. and um, so many delightful guests coming up. Next You're so week, right. We've got writer and actor Jordan Firstman. Yes, we do. Week after that, we have got. Ooh, have, you know what? We'll we'll tell you next week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Let's not spoil. In the meantime, thank you, Dana. Thank you, Ryan. Thank you, everybody at Earwolf. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Ben, for the music. Thank you, Matt. Thank you, Dave. Bye.